What's up, guys? Welcome to the two years and some change re-release of the Ren and Stimpy deal. Uh, hope you fucking enjoy it, man. Alright. That's the big bonus additional fucking uh, audio that you get. How do you like that? Aren't you fucking happy? Yeah, right. Shut the fuck up. You're listening to Adam Air MD, GED, aka Right here on Underground Cartoon Therapy. Captain's Lock. Cadet Stimpy and I have been stranded on the planet Balnab for the last 36 years. Our supplies are dangerously low, and we've had to breathe ammonia these last 18 years. Fortunately, we had to eat what was left of the ship. At least the voices have stopped for a while. But I suspect I can no longer turn my back on Cadet Stimpy. The rigors of space travel have somehow twisted his mind. He's gone crazy. He's got the <laughs> space madness. Wow. Classic shit, huh? <laughs> Well, welcome back to another episode of Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. Well, this episode deals with a, the real life almost encounter I had working for John Kay. I would have been 19 years old, living in Boulder, Colorado. I'm going to save all the details. <laughs> it's a hell of a story. <laughs> I would have been 19 years old working for Ren and Stimpy. It almost happened. You're going to find out why I didn't. I'm going to tell you how I got my septum pierced. And in an epilogue, looking back at why it's probably a good idea that I didn't get hired. All this night more. I'm finishing off the last of my modified banana strain and some OG Gold Kush mixture. Doing everything I can to keep mentally positive through these trying times. <laughs> Whoever came up with that. I want to kick him in the teeth a couple hundred times. <laughs> Alright. Let's go down the rabbit hole. Thanks for joining me tonight. <laughs>
We'll be right back, dude. Hey, kid. You want a toy? Uh-huh, uh-huh. How about a bike? No. A video game? No! Well, okay. You pick a toy. Log. All kids love log. Log rolls downstairs, the motor impairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. Let's wait for a snack, if it's on your back, it's log, log, log. It's log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. It's log, log. It's better than that, it's good. Now let's join Ren Hoax at breakfast time. What? I'm all out of powdered toast. Calling powdered toast man. Come in. Please respond. again? Leave everything to me. Just look at those eyes light up. Isn't he wonderful? Why, he's toasterific! Just like powdered toast! Don't run out of powdered toast at your house. From Primo. We now return, turn, turn, turn. was 92 and I had a girlfriend named Dana man man I love the shit out of her dude we were just kids <laughs> living on a street couch surfing we ended up scoring a job at Toys R Us and we were selling weed to the guy who was the manager there and he's like do you guys need jobs I was like yeah sure he's like yeah come on so he gave us the job or whatever. <laughs> I was already drawing some pretty twisted shit, you know. There was this band called Bunny Genghis from Boulder that were really big fans of my art. They liked how twisted I was already. And they were getting ready to go do some West Coast tour. And the one guy, the lead singer, is like, Yeah, make me butt fucking the bass player up the ass, you know, on a dirty mattress. <laughs> and so I did. And then they ended up taking the heads and making different copies and twisting the heads around. So, you know, it looked like 
the one guy was getting fucked up the ass, and then it looked like the other guy was getting fucked up the ass, and you get the, the whole picture or whatever. So anyway, uh, this flyer fucking became really popular <laughs> on this tour, apparently. Everybody wanted one, you know? And uh, so I was like... <laughs> Working at Toys R Us and just kind of getting stoned in the bathroom and shit. And one day the guy from Bunny Gays came in. There's a guy named John Kay, you know. He's working on a cartoon for Nickelodeon. He wants to hire you. I was like, oh yeah? Yeah, he was hiring 150 animators and he asked for you personally, dude. He'd love that fucking flyer, you know. <laughs> It's a pretty fucking fucked up flyer, too, and Bunny Genghis is a pretty fucked up band. But I told my girlfriend, and we bought a fucking car, and we got the hell out. And quit our fucking job. And that goes to the next part of the story, obviously, so let's get the fuck on it. I guess this is where the real story begins, you know. After we left Toys R Us, and... We took the money we had. We had about 300 bucks or whatever. And she was all hooked on wanting to buy this fucking VW little station wagon, mustard-colored motherfucker. <laughs> Pretty punk rock, you know. We tagged the outside of it, even. <laughs> we fucking hit the road, man. And we were doing good. Neither of us had a license, but... I had a portfolio that had 250 drawings in there that I had really done over a year period, pretty much. I think from like summer of 91. <laughs> summer of 91 to 92, when those guys went on tour and they came back. I had all these drawings, I had it in a blue briefcase thing fucking 19 years old, man. <laughs> we headed, we hit the road. And, uh, before we left, man, there was this guy named Fruit Loops. And Fruit Loops was this fucking weirdo that had come out of somewhere in Santa Cruz, I thought, man, or whatever. Just a nasty motherfucker, dude. Weirdo. A lot of these punks were just so fucking far gone back then already, dude. It wasn't fuck. I mean, it wasn't funny. They were fucked up. <laughs> He's like, give me a ride, man. Give me a ride. Come on. We didn't know he had just set this fucking uh, furniture store on fire. <laughs> like the night before. He, he did. Him and some other fucking dick nut. But anyway, we got him in the car, got him in shit, you know, and he's wearing these Buddhist beads. He's actually like really fucking nervous, man, you know? I think back then we didn't really give a fuck if he was like... <laughs> on drugs or anything like that. There was a part of me that thought he was cool. I don't know. I like degenerates. I could fucking relate. I had no idea where we were heading, man. All we had is this, like, fucking car with no license, no tags. 
fucking guy probably wanted by now for fucking burning this fucking furniture store down. <laughs> oh my god. Wild times. I remember we had a mixtape. We always had these mixtapes, man. All the cassette tapes. We had songs like this all over the place. This song next to Battalion of Saints, next to the Germs, Gang Green, Jerry's Kids. <laughs> Fucking on and on. Blats. <laughs> GBH. Circle Jerks. Punk rock, punk rock, man. This was still like... When punk was around, the streets were infiltrated with fucking gutter punks. We all knew each other. There was like some bond, you know. In time, everything gets warped out of fucking commission or whatever, you know. I loved my girlfriend. I was already obsessed with fucking getting my shit together at age 19 still. I was like, well, if I got a chance to be on fucking television, I'm going to go for it, you know? I remember driving through Utah, just looking at this barren-ass fucking shit, man. Early in the morning, waking up, freezing cold, frost on the fucking window. All right, let's hit the road. <laughs> coffee. We always needed coffee. Already. <laughs> Plenty of cigarettes. Camels. I think that's what I was smoking back then still. Camel filters. I could totally tell something was wrong. <laughs> My psychic abilities were far, far, far away from fucking being anywhere close to being developed then. <laughs> Me and Dana were fucking heading into the great unknown. Just like a bunch of other motherfuckers. Lightning in a bottle. I was either going to make it or I wasn't. So, to me, I was in the bag. Fruit Loops was a maniac. He kept talking some crazy ass shit and making weird sounds and weird noises and... I like the whole cartoon thing, but you know, there was something, he had something wrong, man. There was something wrong with that motherfucker. I know if he was hearing this shit right now, he'd be laughing about it too. He kept saying this one line from <laughs> Mad Max or whatever. I'm going to play it. Hold on. Give me one second. This is what this motherfucker kept mocking. So when you look into the night, Remda. <laughs> he was tripping on acid and shrooms. He had some pills on him. <laughs> I'll never forget it. While we're in the middle of Utah, he's yelling this shit. I think he was being revelated, man. I think somebody had been trying to get him into a Buddhist church. 
I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what was going on with that dude. I think at one point, you know, he was trying to get verification almost, like from me and Dana, if it was okay to be a Buddhist. <laughs> Some bullshit like that, dude. It was fucking weird. So Dana puts in this fucking Chumba Wumba tape after telling Fruit Loops to go fucking shut the fuck up. Because he's just yakking it up like the Knight Rider there. And <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, it's like on the song, something about chanting or whatever. I'll tell you later. You can look it up. <laughs> I don't know what this guy thought he was doing with the Buddhist... And Harry Roberts is a fucking killer. And me and Dana started putting it together that Fruit Loops was a fucking murdering, probably scumbag. And he's wearing the Buddhist beads. And we started eyeballing him like, uh huh. And I think he knew it. <laughs> and he grabbed the Buddhist beads. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, fuck this shit. And he threw the fucking <laughs> Buddhist beads out the car in the middle of the Nevada desert before we pulled into California, you know. <laughs> shit was fucking funny as fuck, dude. <laughs> what a killer fucking motherfucker after crossing the third fourth and fifth dimension we finally made it i'm not from california but every time i go through the border man i'm just like it's california uber chaos <laughs> And that particular time coming into San Francisco was probably one of the most surreal times I ever had in my whole fucking life. <laughs> Purple sky. So we got into town and Fruit Loops was pretty insistent that we go to this place called Great Expectations. It was a bookstore on the corner of Haight Ashbury back then in 92. And uh, we finally found a parking space and we went inside and there was this girl working in there. She had red hair. She was about the size of a keg, <laughs> a beer keg. Her name was Lumberjackie. <laughs> anyway, uh, Fruit Loops told me and Dana to go wait in the car. We didn't really know what was going on, but we just waited in the car, smoked some cigarettes. Fruit Loops came back about 15 minutes later. <laughs> hey, man, guess what? We got a place to stay. And we can stay with uh, Lumberjacky. And she lives with supermodels, and he made some crazy-ass fucking noise or whatever. <laughs> me and Dana kind of look at each other and... I was like, you live with supermodels? She goes, yeah, more than one. I was like, how many do you live with? Oh, five. 
and they're all Russian. Okay. Who am I to argue? Let's get this party on the road. So Lumberjack, he gets off work a few hours later, and huh, she takes us over to her place, you know. And uh, we go into the place, and there's like fucking five of these beautiful super Russian supermodels. They were all really polite, nice. <laughs> and I started looking around Jackie's place, and I started realizing, wow. Everything in her fucking place is red. There's even a picture hanging on the wall with a red frame, and it's just red inside of it. <laughs> just everything was red. She had two red candles on her, like, fireplace. And right in the middle, there was a white candle. Jackie came home and was like, sorry I'm late, guys. They brought everybody a fifth of Jaeger apiece. Already cold. You can tell where this is getting ready to head towards, man. Fucked up liquor dummies. And super bottles. You know when you hit that fourth out of the fifth part of the fucking fifth you're drinking? Especially some fucking Jaeger, man? Holy shit, dude. It was, uh... You know that feeling. It just... Gets a little... A little... A little near the end. <laughs> oh my god. So my girlfriend was passed out in Jackie's lap. They were already drunk and out. One of the Russian girls had gone and passed out. The other one actually made it to her bed and passed out. And three of these Russian models are just sitting there with me in Fruit Loops, you know? I don't remember what we were talking about. I, I was trying to hold some kind of civil conversation with them, actually, you know? Uh, I know it was pretty common back then to be a fucking just gutter punk dick at any old time you wanted. And you could get away with that kind of shit too. And I remember that mentality was with Fruit Loops, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'm sitting there like trying to talk to these girls, you know, and... I know my girlfriend wouldn't have cared if I had hooked up with these chicks. And I was like, hey, maybe I'll get lucky, you know? That's kind of where it was heading. But then fucking homie McGee over here keeps talking all this kind of nonsense. Uh, finally I just shut up and I looked down. I was like, oh, I'm not going to try to do anything. And it all became about these three girls getting sick of this guy Fruit Loops shit. And, uh... <laughs> He kept talking to shit, man. I remember they were yelling back and forth at each other. I was like, hey, 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 you know, that whole. <laughs> and all of a sudden he starts talking this fucking rape talk. And I mean, like I say it, you know, this is the kind of rape shit. Fucking G.G. Allen. Like you can get away with some G.G. Allen rape talk. You know, that's what he was doing. 
and uh, he tells the one girl something. He goes, yeah, yeah, whatever, da 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 da. And, uh. <laughs> Sorry about that. I, uh, <laughs> got distracted, but basically what I remember him saying was, um, bend over and get the butter, baby. That's what he said to this woman. And I was like, oh, man. And I uh, I probably should have done something and stood up or whatever, but I was kind of at awe and I was pretty drunk. And the chick goes, you know what? If you say something fucked up like that one more time, I'm going to get up and I'm going to drop kick you in the bottom of your fucking face and you're going to fall down two flights of stairs and out the front door. And motherfucker didn't even wait 30 milliseconds before he had just ran his mouth about something about his turkey baster. Whatever, dude. You get where it's going. And she got up and she's like six and a half feet tall and she drop-kicked this motherfucker straight out the front door, I kid you not, of the apartment. He fucking flew out the door, hit the wall in the hall that's going down a case of stairs. He rolled down the stairs, he tried to get up, he rolled down the other one, and fucking rolled face-first outside this fucking building. And the girls were like, good night. I was like, ah. I looked outside, and he goes, you fucked up, man. He goes, when you look into the night, remember the night rider. And then he gets down, and he takes his shoestring out of his shoe, and he goes, the shoestring never lies, mortal. And I passed the fuck out. It sucked. If I would have known what was going to happen, I wouldn't have. But the guy is hardwired like a fucking supervillain joker, but... Fuck, it sucked. I told you before, if you've heard some of these previous episodes where it sounds like I fall into a dream, that's exactly what fucking happened in this particular instance, dude. We're too late. Well, at least he died on the job. He'd have wanted it this way. <laughs> oh, man. So I woke up and... Dana was awake, and the girls were all gone. Jackie was like, you guys got to get the hell out of my house. We went outside, and our car was gone. And Fruit Loops had stolen our fucking car. <laughs> oh, my God. We were pretty fucking bummed out, you can imagine. Plus, my portfolio was in the car. 250 fucking drawings over a year. <laughs> Between the ages of 18 and 19. <laughs> and uh, my girlfriend was pretty pissed off. Dana was pretty pissed. Who could blame her? Uh, we had pretty much enough money to get to fucking Greyhound and hit fucking Santa Cruz. And we went to Santa Cruz and we scoured that motherfucking city looking for this fucking guy. Because we figured that's where he was from. We didn't have any luck. I didn't have any luck. Something happened. 
I got embarrassed and I said, Dana, you should just go back to your home, you know? And she already had a killer family and all this other shit. She just wanted to be with me, you know? And I think at that point she realized it. And so she get on the fucking bus. And I watched her fucking leave on the bus, and it was just this horrible fucking day. I was fucking crying and all the shit. <sighs> and then this guy comes out on the fucking porch, and he goes... Because I was sitting on this fucking house porch, you know, or whatever, with a staircase, and it was next to the bus station, and I was watching my girlfriend leave back to SoCal. I was like, ah, Crying. Guy comes out, sits down next to me, and goes, Hey, happy birthday. And I thought about it. I was like, What? It is my fucking birthday. And he goes, Look, I'll tell you what. I know you're bummed out. And I was like, How the fuck would you know that? And he goes, Look down there, dude. There's the bus station. You go spare change $158, and I'll give you a septum piercing. <laughs> what? Obviously you're fucking tripping, dude. He goes, well, actually, it is a $250 piercing, but I'll give it to you for 150 And you'd look really good with it. And I looked at this guy, and I was like, I'm a broke-ass gutter punk, dude. I don't fucking have money. My girlfriend just left. My fucking shit's fucking ruined. I was pretty bummed out. And he goes, hey, you know what? Stop for a minute. And he goes, take a walk down to the Greyhound, and I'll give you an hour, and go ahead and spare change that that money up. I was like, obviously you didn't hear what I just said. He goes, nah, go for it, man. And he walked back inside. I was really pissed, and I was like, the audacity of this guy. But I was like, well, he was right about my birthday. That was fucking eerie. And then he was right about fucking being bummed out. And I don't know if it was because you could read me like a goddamn book. Maybe it was because my armpits were sweating so bad from the fucking stress of my chick leaving on a goddamn bus. Either way, stressful shit. So I said, you know what? I've been in this position before. And I would have been in it many times after this, too. What do I have to lose? You know, that's what you got to be like, Abby. What do I have to lose, man? Don't be all violent fence about it. Please don't sing that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I went down to this Greyhound station. And I was like, I'm just trying to get out of here. I'm just trying to get out of here. No dice, right? Hung around for about 10 minutes, and then all of a sudden, it was like Midas took a piss on me himself, man. I couldn't even fucking believe it. Whew. Just one of these weirdo things. One person came up to me and gave me a $10 bill. Alright, cool. Somebody gave me a five, then seven bucks. Somebody gave me a fucking $50 bill. This woman walked up to me with uh, two goats <laughs> and gave me two bags of groceries out of her cart. You know. Uh, people kept giving me money, man. It was crazy. And I was like, alright, well, look. That's fucking cool. So, about 48 minutes later, <laughs> I looked and I had uh, almost $300. 
How the fuck did that happen? So I walked up there and back to this place. The place ends up being Animus Warpus, which later on moved to San Francisco and had relocated and was on Haight-Ashbury, pretty much in the same place that Lumberjacky was working when she decided to scam me and my girlfriend with Mr. Fruit Loops. Yeah, they were all in on it. I found out later she was partly to blame for fucking stealing my car. Never saw her again. I'd like to ask her about that even today. <laughs> but you know, Fruit Loops is MIA. Never saw that fucking little twat again. My girlfriend's fucking gone. I got 300 bucks. This guy wants to pierce my nose. So I went into this fucking place and, uh, I was walking down this fucking hallway and there was people praying in rooms and, like, weird Buddhists and somebody was reading, like, a horror magazine in one room. <laughs> I know, it sounds like whatever, but the whole thing was my very first fucking, uh, tattoo and piercing studio experience, you know? <laughs> it was a trip, man. And the guy goes, alright, come here, man. Come sit down in the chair here. And he pulls out this fucking little, tu little tube of Vaseline and it's green and he sticks a Q-tip in it and sticks it up my nose and my eyes went, what? And I was instantly stoned. Uh, he goes, how do you feel? I was like, oh, I feel great. <laughs> I feel tremendous. Well, you know, let's find out what's on the radio real fast. <laughs> Kay Billy Super Sound oh. of the 70s weekend just keeps on coming with this little ditty that reached up to 21 in May of 1970. The George Baker selection little green bag <laughs> alright man so here's the fucking timeline Ren and Stimpy's been on the air for like a fucking year already dude you know John K wanted to hire his own team I was part of this private select team he wanted to put together pretty much and uh I was two days away from fucking Reservoir Dogs coming out that's a separate episode Anyway, man, I'm fucking sitting in this chair, you know, and the guy goes, all right, man, pick your weapon of choice. And I was like, all right. And he goes, you got a metal skewer, and I can pierce your nose with that, or I can use a porcupine quill. And I was like, a porcupine quill? And I was like, won't that splinter in my nose, man? He goes, nah, it's razor sharp. You know, like, look next to me, you know, there's this big-ass motherfucker, he looks like the giant from Time Bandits, <laughs> getting this big dragon and fucking castle combo tattooed on his fucking back or whatever. He's sitting there eyeballing me, you know? And the guy's doing a sweet-ass ink on him, you know? And, uh... <laughs> So the guy goes, all right, hold still, take a deep breath. And I took a deep breath, and he stuck the fucking porcupine quill through my nose, and he hung, he held up the mirror, and I'll never forget that big-ass fucking porcupine quill coming out of my nose on both sides, and my eyes watering. 
And this big old motherfucker getting this tattoo thing um, next to me, he looked over and he saw that my eyes were having a sympathetic reaction. He decided to go ahead and be a fucking dick. And he goes, oh, ha, 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 ha. you fucking pussy. And the guy fucking with the fucking tattoo gun just fucking takes the gun and rips it across his fucking back, dude. The guy gets up. Oh, no, what the fuck have you done to me? And fucking all these motherfuckers that are working in there stop what they're doing and they all pull out a fucking Glock and they circle this motherfucker like 13 times. 13 people fucking holding a Glock to this giant's head. I'm sitting there with this fucking porcupine quill in my fucking nose and the guy who was piercing me has a Glock at this guy's head now and they just escorted his ass out to the fucking... You know, outside the building, Animus Warpus. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. I didn't want to leave, man. And the guy was like, well, you know, here, let me finish it for you. I was scared to death. I didn't even know what the fuck had just happened. Everybody puts their guns away. They start getting back to tattooing. Everybody's acting like it wasn't a big deal. I was like sweating my ass off. I was like, holy shit. And the guy fucking sticks a fucking ring through my nose, and he goes, ta-da! And I looked at it, and it looked beautiful, man. It looked great. The piercing looked fucking sweet, but I was fucking frightened to go outside, dude. The guy was like, nah, man, you gotta... You gotta go now. And happy birthday. But it's really, it's time for you to go. I hung out for about four more hours, <laughs> and the guy was like, you gotta get the fuck out of here, man. I went outside, and I didn't see any giant from Time Bandits waiting to kill me, so that was great. I was about four blocks from Highway 80. I knew it fucking ran through fucking uh, Wyoming. I could have gotten on a bus. <laughs> I decided not to, man. And I remember rubbing this fucking Bactine on my nose while I was eating a fucking burrito. And I remember that new feeling of my septum piercing. Nobody had this shit, man. This was all brand new, like 91, 92. You know, this is all new shit. People were really starting to fucking get into it, but it was only these punks. And I remember everybody being like all hard on us and being like, oh yeah, you guys look like shit. Da -da -da. And now almost 80% of the fucking country is ink, all stylized too. Like these stylized tattoos, the perfect cut bangs, and the fucking piercing, perfect piercings, and da 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 da. That's not really how it went down back then when we were the genesis of that shit. I remember like getting on the highway and I was like, yeah man, I'm not gonna fucking... I'm not gonna look back, man. I saved my money. Got drunk with somebody who had picked me up. He was already smoking weed. That's kind of how it was back then. You'd be in one part of the country and then you'd be in another part of the country the next day. You, did, you could just levitate there basically back then. <laughs> Yeah, man, I fucking miss Dana. And I miss my t opportunity to fucking really be on Ren and Stimpy, but 
I knew I just wanted to do something deeper and something that fucking I wasn't necessarily gonna get away with on TV. <laughs> Pretty cool, man. Part of my history, dude. <laughs> I remember as soon as I got back, Reservoir Dogs came out that day. And my buddy Ross was all, come on, man, we're going. I was like, where are we going? He's like, we're going to go see fucking Reservoir Dogs, motherfucker. <laughs> I was like, Ren and Stimpy who? Or <laughs> like years went by and all this shit, dude, you know. And I just produced as much shit as I possibly could, man. As much offensive shit as I possibly could. Made a name for myself. I didn't have to ride on the fucking shirt tails of John Kay. That was a good thing. I'm glad I didn't have to do that, man. I'm glad I was able to build my own shit. Oh, man. Sometimes the universe looks like it's taking a dump in your fucking lap, but then you find out, well, you really were fortunate, dude. Uh, what do I mean? Well, if you know anything about John Kay, turns out he was a fucking big-time pedophile. Mm-hmm. Had a relationship while he was in his fucking 40s with two 15-year-old girls who he was uh, inspired by, well... He was inspired by them, right? That's disgusting. But the girls were inspired by him as an animator. Because if you know anything about John K, he's like this great fucking animator, dude. Red and Stimpy is a great fucking show. It just is. It's a great cartoon. It's fucking birthed all kinds of shit, man. A lot of stuff has been inspired from it. You know, John K was pivotal, but his track record's fucking garbage. You know... I didn't really know too much about it. I always just wanted to contact John Kay over the years. I always felt bad. But I never really did any research, and I never really assumed or even knew about it. Anyway, there's this fucking dork on fucking YouTube. This is his podcast. He's going to fucking exploit John Kay's fucking history a little bit. I'm going to just play a sample so you can see where the hell it is. And uh, the interesting thing to mention about each of them is that Robin Bird uh, and Katie Rice, they've always aspired to work in the animation industry, and they were huge fans of Ren and Stimpy, and they personally contacted John Kay about their love. This is Electric Dragon 505. And John Kay, he He almost sounds like he's getting off on it, but whatever. That's how people are. Dirty laundry. they'll, They'll put them in their first steps to go and actually work for him, and to really get into the animation world and on top of that like while they're at it he can help them grow as artists to really make their craft a whole lot better but throughout that entire process there are some things that john k would start to get a little bit more personal with them and really start Mm. to get into the creepy factor when john k would actually be a lot more sexually attracted to them. In fact, with Robin Bird, she would actually be in a relationship 
with John Kay starting at the age of 15. And it would actually go pretty far to the point that, yes, they would actually have sex. And, like, apparently she started having sex with John Kay when she was 16, but it's more John Kay get, having, wanting sex with Robin more so than Robin wanted sex with uh, Yeah, we get it, dude. Anyway. It just goes downhill from there. The guy's totally abuser and all this other shit. Girls came out, tried to press charges, and I don't know if it's litigating. I don't know what the hell's going on. You can go do the research yourself. It's all right there. I always thought about it, dude. I was like, well, what if I would have fucking ended up working for John K. then, and I would have been, like, associated with that guy? Maybe I would have gotten blackballed inside of a year. Because that's really when he fucking blew it, right? I ended up putting this fucking comic book out a year ago under R. Crumb's Hippie Comics label ran by Dan Fogel. And we did the fucking Big Apple Con. I worked with Mike Diana. We had fun, you know, huffing malt vinegar. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I met Bob Camp, and Bob Camp's the other half of Ren and Stimpy. And, you know, at first I thought Bob was okay and stuff like that, but. You know, him talking all loud in the middle of that convention about how John K.'s dick was the only thing that fucking stood in his way. And he said it all loud, you know, and I was like, hmm. I was like, damn, I'm glad I didn't have to work with either one of these guys. <laughs> so in the end, fucking, I got off the hook, I guess, and I just did my own shit. But, you know, I just never really was meant to fucking work for anybody else. Not like that. Anyway, guys, I'm going to wrap it up here, and I hope you enjoyed this shit. And, uh, yeah, I don't even think I fucking need a bumper. This is pretty good shit. So I hope you enjoyed this little story. As melancholy and weird. <laughs> I still got my septum pierced to this day. <laughs> All I do is I buy little O-rings from fucking the hardware store, you know. And just split, put a little cut in there, and then I'll just wear them. They're way safer than rings, and uh, if you ever get into an entanglement, someone's going to try to rip that ring out, they can rip that O-ring out, and it won't hurt you if you've had it long enough. You know. All right, dudes. Well, I'll talk to you guys soon, and we'll just leave on this little note right here. Thank you guys for hanging out with me tonight, and this is all I got to say. The days of Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> Much weed was consumed watching this shit. I don't think you're happy enough. That's right. I'll teach you to be happy. I'll teach your grandmother to suck eggs. Oh shit. Let's try it again. Oh god. Thanks for joining me on another exciting episode, guys.
Nope, well, I guess you're not getting off the hook that easy. Oh, God, I'll see you guys later. You've been listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy. You're listening to Adam Air MD GED Underground Cartoon Therapy.